How much did he give you? Who? The king gave us some money. How much did he give you? I asked you first. Well, I got the same as you. He wouldn't discriminate between us. How much did you get? The same. How do you know? You just told me. How do you know? Well, he wouldn't discriminate between us. Even if he could. Which he never could. He couldn't even be sure of mixing us up. Without mixing us up. I'm sick of making the running. It must be your dominant personality. <laughs> oh, what has it become of us? Don't cry. It's all right. There. I'll see we're all right. But we've got nothing to go on. We're out on our own. We're on our way to England. We're taking Hamlet there. What for? What for? Where have you been? When? We, we won't know what to do when we get there. We take him to the king. Will he be there? No, the king of England. He's he's expecting us. No. Well, he won't know what we're playing at. What are we going to say? We've got a letter. You remember the letter. Do I? Everything is explained in the letter. We count on that. Is that it then? What? We take Hamlet to the English king. We hand over the letter. What then? There may be something in the letter to keep us going a bit. And if it's n not? Then that's it. We're finished. At a loose end. Yes. The theatre, the theatre. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. We did something last night. We had a show last night. May I be sentimental for a moment? Oh, God. Sure. So, Inside Baseball, y'all, this season we've been recording on Tuesday evenings, but all three of us have been in rehearsals for a brand new musical, and it's been a lot of fun, a workshop, so we couldn't meet Tuesday night. So, it's it's 1130 on a Saturday morning. It's 1130. The morning after we did the show, (laughs) and then I stayed till after one in the morning. Yeah, I didn't get to sleep till two thirty these days. But there's something. There was something lovely about waking up this morning, and um, I keep talking about how I'm out of theater shape, like doing the day jobs and then going to rehearsals every night of the week. Yeah. But there's something lovely about waking up the morning after a show, and it was a great night, and there were lots of good people there, and I had a lot of fun. But just being exhausted the next morning, but oh, it's girl. over something that I've had such a good time doing. Yeah. Namely yeah. theater. And I'm just, I'm tired, but I'm very happy this morning. I'm also very tired. My voice is quite tired. I'm going to be speaking. You like guys this. sang like motherfuckers last <laughs> night. And I can't thank you enough. The, it, it, it was an amazing cast. And we'd been busting balls on a very big musical to try and get a presentation up and you all rocked it like the entire cast did. and there were some insane folks in that cast so oh I wanna, yeah i want to say you. something though i want to admit something here say on it. the podcast yeah. i i missed a line last night and the reason that i did that is because i wrote my lines into the music 
Uh-huh. But yeah. I wrote it in the wrong place. So I thought oh, there no. was one more line. So I was like, I'm, who's that other line? Let's go. Who says this? And it was well, never we've said. We've all been and, there. Yeah, and so then I was like, okay. And then I started to say it. But then Allie said it. And I was like, oh, no. The stage the stage reader uh, said it. And stage direction reader. And then I was like, oh, no. And then everyone continued. And I was like, ah. Oh. But then um, backstage, I got I got reamed for it by multiple <gasps> people. So. Oh really? Oh. Yeah, in a fun in a fun way. It was like it was like, hey, like out loud, someone was like, hey, what's going on with that moment? Like, <laughs> and I was like, I, it's really me. passive Shut aggressive. Up. You know? Shut up, Lucas. I love you. Lovely <laughs> passive aggressive. Yeah, it was pretty funny. No, it was good times. But it's Midsummer's Nightmare. A Midsummer <laughs> Nightmare. What's going on? You... What's, is that a ringer? It's my rang tone. Sorry, y'all. I don't know why this is on. <laughs> I apologize. Let you got a song ringer. Mine are just like fun sounds or something. Well, I guess. Oh, do you have, have an iPhone? Raiders... Yeah. Oh, that's why. I have the no. I have the Raiders march no, from I Indiana can... Jones. I've got uh, I've got all kinds of stuff. CJ is a fart sound. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've got uh, a lot of adventure Bailey, time. Bailey, iPhone of you to have a fart sound. Bailey, oh. you're you're the sound of. Um... Shut up, Google boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is good times. We we're here to talk theater though, and this is a this is an important episode. We probably have a lot of people <laughs> starting like this is an entry point for a lot of people who are gonna be like, what the fuck is this podcast? And I'm okay Thank with them. that. But if we haven't lost you yet, then welcome right. to theater theater. <laughs> The theater podcast for theater nerds, made by three theater makers from the L.A. theater scene. <laughs> Very sleepy theater makers from the L.A. theater scene. Giggly theater makers from the L.A. theater scene. I'm Jay Bailey Burcham. I'm C.J. Merriman. And I'm Scott Leggett. That's right. And each week we get together to discuss, debate, and disseminate the evolutions of the great playwrights by taking a macro look mm-hmm. at three of their plays. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is part one of three of our mini series covering the works of Tom Stopper. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It's Rosenpod and Gildencast are dead. Yes. 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 During this series, we'll be taking a macro look at the plays Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Yes. Arcadia. Yeah. Yes. And Scott's uh, rogue pick, Rock and Roll, <laughs> which we're all excited to talk about. Um, that'll be in the finale episode. Uh, but in the meantime, hey guys, like what? Stoppard. Right. Yeah. We've been talking about him every season, and we finally are doing it. First season, we were like, okay, we're going to end with Stoppard. I think we even announced it a couple times where we were like, we're ending with Stoppard. And then we chose not to to close it out a little quicker for Christmas break. We were like, well, if we want to do Shakespeare's comedies. pushed out, yeah. yeah. So then we did, we were going to do it last season, and kind of the same thing happened. So this season, we were like, we're going to make sure we do it. But this is our final miniseries, playwright miniseries of this season, technically. Yeah. Because yeah. next will be a bonus episode mm-hmm. and, and stuff. And then after that will be... Shakespeare's histories, yes, and then we're done. So I guess you could count that, but we've already done tragedies and comedies, and we'll ju- we're just closing out every season with some more Shakespeare. Um, we're doing some kind of Shakespeare before Shakespeare. That's kind of some fun. Shakespeare yeah, before Shakespeare. Oh yeah, that's that's good times. We love that. Can I hear a little bit from y'all? Your context was Stoppard. Do you know him? Do you love him? What's the word, hummingbird? Yeah, I'll start. I'm glad you uh, knew that Hummingbird was you, Scott. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm a happy hummingbird. hummingbird. Yeah. 
I had discovered Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead after, um, right after I discovered Waiting for Godot. And it was given to me by somebody who was like, oh, you like Godot? Like, check this out. And it kind of blew me away. And then when I learned out that Stoppard had written some other stuff, namely like Brazil, the movie Brazil, and uh, I I ended up, yeah, and I ended up doing like uh, uh, a cutting of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern with my buddy Dave Jolly in high school for... Uh, a theater tournament and so that was the first time I got to to play it um then had done readings of it afterwards I've seen only one production of it that wasn't great but um yeah and then just sort of learning who he was and uh when we get into Arcadia next week I got to see a production of that at the Goodman in the late 90s that was really phenomenal and kind of blew my mind um and then had just read read things i'd seen the real inspector hound and um and then just sort of you know yeah became a fan that way you're a fan you're a stan you're a stopper stan stopper stan (laughs) siege what's the tale nightingale um i have seen shakespeare in love (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that's about it and you I love mean, it you love that movie i love that movie yeah you love um, that movie i i do too to be clear i i have a feeling that i was made to read rosencrantz and guildenstern or arcadia in college i oh. had arcade i had both scripts on my bookshelf so um i know i'd read rosencrantz at some point but like just very little and just for no other reason other than he hasn't really crossed my path a whole lot other than shakespeare in love Oh, he's crossed your path in another way that's about to blow your mind. Dune. He wrote Dune. No. Frank Herbert is his. No, Frank Herbert. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. I would lose my shit. Turns out I have a stoppered quote tattooed on me. Here's um, the mind killer. Yes. <laughs> Tom Stoppard. <laughs> Bailey, what about you? Yeah, I actually... Stoppard was introduced to me with the monologue from RNG, the coffin. Do you ever think of yourself as actually dead, lying in a box with the lid on it? That monologue was done in a class when I was at Hogwarts. Someone got up and did it in a monologue um, class, and I was like, oh, shit, what is that play? (laughs) And picked it up from the script library and read it within the week and loved it and would, like, beg them to do it and they're like it's too big it's not you know maybe someday we're but right now we're focusing on blah 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 so then i went uh, i transferred from hogwarts it was the saddest Mm -hmm. day of my life i transferred uh and uh, at the state school where i was at getting another degree which was um wichita state Mm -hmm. uh go shockers Mm. shockers yeah the shockers um no shit yeah um and (laughs) I, oh, I just thought of so many things I could tell you about Wichita State. I'm not going to do it. Um, the point is, they did RNG my first semester there. And I was like, mm. hell yeah. So I played Claudius. Oh, nice. And it was super fun. And the director was an ass. But besides oh. that, it was it was quite good. Uh, the two people who played RNG were are still two of my good friends, Caleb Kaufman and Trevor Comstock. They were genius, hilarious. Um, And the guy who played Hamlet uh, was my dear friend, Damien, who I have a actual rap album with that exists. What? (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. 
Um, that's crazy shit. But I'm nostalgia's flowing through my mind now. I don't want to go too deep into it. But I also since then have seen Arcadia a couple times. I love the RNG movie for what it is. I think it's really great. Um, and we'll, we should we'll talk, talk about, about that because I watched that for this. Too. We'll absolutely talk about it. Um, but yeah, I I do. There's this one Tom Stoppard quote that I will be inking on my body sometime. I don't know when. Um, fear that is, is the mind killer. It's fear is the mind killer. <laughs> uh, the no, I no. The reason you brought that, I, I'm glad you brought that up because it, it is. It's um. It's from RNG. And it's, but out of context, it's, it, in context, it's less exciting. Out of context, I love it. Mm -hmm. And it's just relax, respond. Mm. Okay. Relax, period, respond, period, right? That's great. And um, that's been a lot of my life motto, especially in like confrontation. Is like okay, relax yourself, take a deep breath, and then like respond the way that your heart is telling you to respond, and that's what you go with, right? But like if you've taken that moment and you've relaxed, then you can trust yourself. So that's my. That's, that's good. Sad. That's yeah. a really good idea for a tattoo. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about. It. I don't know how it's gonna happen, but and then I'm gonna I'm gonna get one on my forearm, really big in block letters, and then on the other one, it's gonna say. Ego is the enemy. <laughs> you know what? You should get relax, respond as a tramp stamp. Oh. <laughs> you did not relax and then respond before making that decision. I'm going to get a Cobb salad tramp stamp. <laughs> Cobb <Aww>. salad. <laughs> That's actually kind of cool. That's meta and funny. And I like it. And it pertains to what we're talking about here. Um, okay, well, that's our context. Now y'all know more about where we're coming from. Uh I think it's worth mentioning before we do this next segment. We say this, I think we should say this at the top of every play right now. Say it. If you are going to take a test on this play or on Tom Stopper. Oh my, no. <laughs> you should maybe choose a different podcast. We are a bantery, digressory, that's not a word, but we. we <laughs> digressory. Yeah. <laughs> Very W of you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think. <laughs> Thanks. <Yeah. laughs> um, um, kind of stoppered of me. I don't know. I feel like RNG are constantly doing that shit. Stoppered is maybe W is stoppered. Stoppered's everyone. <laughs> stoppered uh, is life. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking off my headphones. Um, <laughs> So okay, so what? Where was I? Oh, oh, oh! <laughs> if you're if you're gonna, yeah, okay, fuck. If you're going to take a test on this, on this guy, on Tom Stoppard, the man himself, maybe move on. Okay, um, we get a lot of really great. In fact, we should read this. Maybe I'll maybe I'll do it on the next episode. But we got a really great uh, Brecht email, an email about our Brecht miniseries from somebody who listened in and had a couple corrections. And I was like, hell yeah, I love that. We love corrections because we just are talking out of our asses. But they were also very engaged and 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 enjoyed a lot of what we had to say, and we mm. and it would have been fun to get into it with this person. Um, but uh, I'll read that next time because it was very interesting. It uh, was cool. Specifically, yeah. I was saying mahogany, and it's mahogany. Mahogany. Oh yes. Good to know. Um, oh yes. Quite. 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 
Anyway, uh, yeah, my my accent game is shit recently, y'all. I don't know what's happened. I, I I don't since I had COVID. I think COVID ruins your COVID. Brain. <laughs> it ruined the spot in your brain for dialects. <laughs> yeah, because truly, my dialect game has died uh, recently. I don't know what it is. And, it's just uh, a muscle you need to work. As you, if you heard got at back the beginning into it, of this episode, <laughs> the the scene at the beginning of this episode proves that I am all over the map. I, think, I go Scottish. I go Australian. Um, okay, Scott, uh, there's something yeah. I, really, I really love that you do. My, well, we can't talk about it on the podcast. It's, oh, oh, shit. oh, oh, my God. Not that. Oh, oh, the other Lord. Oh, God. Yikes. <laughs> Scottpedia. That's right. It's Scottpedia. Scottpedia, yeah. Tell us. Give us your pedia. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's a lot on Tom Stopper. And this cat has had a fascinating life and certainly a fascinating childhood. Sir Tom Stoppard was born Thomas Straussler on July Whoa. 3rd, 1937. He was born in Czechoslovakia. Um, Stopper. Hold, hold, hold one second. Am I crazy or have the last like four or five playwrights we've covered had used a, a pseudonym or well a different excuse me a different name um than what they were originally given at birth yeah i mean yeah no uh brecht, brecht. birdie and yeah 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 names changed because well and his Oscar Wilde. didn't he have a different name oh no, no he just he had, had a really long he name. just had a really long name yeah oh, okay yeah. we cover a lot of white dudes keep going, keep going. yeah listen um he was born in czechoslovakia um stoppard left as a child uh refugee fleeing imminent nazi occupation uh he was born in the city of zin a city uh, dominated by the shoe manufacturing industry. Shoe uh, like like that you wear on your feet, or like yeah, the dough, the pastry. Like a shoe, but it's okay. it, oh, the, the shoe. factory plays a very the a shoe. shoe factory was cool and saved a lot of people. Okay. Um, he is the son of Mar- uh, Martha Bokova and <laughs> Eugene Straussler, a doctor who was employed by the shoe company. His parents were both non-observant Jews. On uh, March 15th, 1939, the day the Nazis invaded Czechoslovakia, the Straussler family fled to Singapore um, because the shoe factory had a factory in Singapore. And so the owner of the company would send all of his Jewish employees to Singapore to save them. Yeah, so it's pretty crazy. So they get to Singapore um, and then... Uh, the Japanese decide they're going to invade Singapore. So Stoppard and his brother and their mother fled to India. Uh, Stoppard's father India. remained in Singapore India. India, as, uh, as a British Army volunteer. When Stoppard oh. was four years old, his father died. In 1941, when Tomas was five, he, his brother, and their mother uh, were eva- evacuated to Darjeeling, India, interestingly enough. Mm. In 1945, his mother, Martha, married British Army Major Kenneth Stoppard, who gave the boys his English surname and moved the family to England in 1946. Wow. Um, uh, he, uh, he told Tom Stoppard, his stepfather told him at one point, don't you realize that I made you British? Setting up Stoppard's desire as a child to become an honorary Englishman. He was really obsessed with this. Huh. Uh, and he said, I fairly often 
find I'm with people who forget I don't quite belong in the world we, we're in. I find I put a foot wrong. It could be pronunciation, uh, an arcane bit of English history. And suddenly I'm there naked as someone with a pass, a press ticket. This is reflected in his characters, he observes, who are constantly being addressed by the wrong name with jokes and false trails to do uh, with the confusion of having two names. So the, it's a, his identity was a big issue for him and a big factor in a lot of his writing. Um, Stoppard left school at age 17 and began work as a journalist. Yeah. He never went. Wow. He never went to university, never went to school. Like he's just Damn. that kind of guy. Um, but he started Stan working a legend. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he started working as a journalist at age 17 for the Western daily press. Uh, later on the Bristol evening, uh, world, the newspaper offered Stoppard the position of feature writer, humor columnist, and secondary drama critic, which took him into the world of theater. Um, at the British Old Vic, uh, this is late fifties. Um, he, uh, was, um, Became friends with John Borman, who's the director who directed um, Deliverance and Excalibur and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, became friends with pa actor Peter O'Toole, um, both early in their careers. And in Bristol, he became known more for his strained attempts at humor and unstylish clothes than for his writing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then Stoppard, uh, this is around 1953-54, Stoppard started writing short radio plays, and by 1960, he had completed his first stage play, A Walk on the Water, which was later retitled, retitled God damn, Enter yeah. a Free Man. Um, in the early 60, uh, 60s, he starts writing uh, more radio plays and smaller work but he starts getting attention. In 1964, a Ford Foundation grant enabled Stoppard to spend five months writing in a Berlin mansion, emerging <sighs> with a one-act play titled Rosencrantz and Guildenstern Meet, Meet King, King Lear. Lear. Which later evolved into <laughs> Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. He then blows up. Um, we will get into the chronology of him next week and all that. Uh, but he just starts cranking out work throughout yeah. the uh, 70s and 80s. Yeah. Uh, in 1985, Stoppard co-wrote with Terry Gilliam and Charles McKeown a feature film called Brazil. Yeah. Uh, which Bailey and I have been talking a lot about recently. But he gets his first Oscar nomination for that. Uh, Stoppard is also... Should we make that an in stuff soon? I'd it's be on down. my I'd list. Love to. It's on yeah, my list. Yeah, that's a good um, one. Stoppard also uh, co-wrote screenplays for Shakespeare in Love, for which he won the Oscar, and Ooh. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. The best one. So, no, that, I, oh my I god! Know, how I did I not fucking know that? Because you don't. You you're you're the you're not one. a real fan. Uh, Stoppard has been married oh, three how times. How dare you? So I agree with that. I am not a real fan. Last Crusade. I am a real one. fan. Fuck the both uh, of you. Raiders the of the Last Ark is the only one. No, Raiders of the Last Ark is the only good one. Um, nope. Stoppard has been you're married insane. three times. <laughs> his first marriage was to Josie Ingle, a nurse. His second marriage was to Miriam Stern from 1972 to 1992. They separated when he began a relationship with actress Felicity Kendall. He has two <gasps> sons from each of his first two marriages, Oliver Stoppard, Barnaby Stoppard. <laughs> Barnaby Stoppard is one of the greatest names D ever. Two British as fuck names, too. <laughs> and then his other two sons are, uh, sons are Ed Stoppard and Will Stoppard. Um, this is interesting, um, and this was reflected in a recent uh, New Yorker Radio Hour interview with him, but Stoppard's mother died in 1996, and the family had talked about their history, and neither brother 
mother knew what had happened to the family left behind in Czechoslovakia. Uh, but in the early 1990s, with the fall of communism, Sto uh, Stoppard found out that all four of his grandparents had been Jewish and had died in internment camps, oh along God. with three of his mother's sisters. Um, and that's kind of haunted uh, all of his recent stuff and his, uh, yeah. an impact wow. on his most recent play. But he's still working. He had kind of said he was going to retire, and then he didn't retire. And he's now he's like, I can't, um, I can't Is really retire. his last play in like 2020 or some shit? He's got it's one like going right now. Yeah, 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 he's yeah. got one going right now. So he's in his 80s, and, and he's like, I just, he's like, I tried to stop. I tried to retire, and he's like, I just couldn't do it. He's like, I... I just feel compelled to sit down every day. What a life, too. I wouldn't yeah, want to um, stop writing either. Right, Damn. you know, so. Oh, what a life. <laughs> oh, what a lovely, lonely <laughs> life. Do you know that but, one? No. It's Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, Kate Kipling. Oh, that's right. Oh, you're right. Good call. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. But yeah, that's uh, that ends uh, Scottpedia. But yeah, uh, fascinating dude. And the fact that yeah. he's entirely self-educated and um, uh, that, uh, you know, and he Some doesn't... Some people are just born better. Some people are just born <laughs> motherfucking smart and talented. And yeah, I mean, like it's just like I needed school and I was still an idiot when I came out of <laughs> liberal arts school with two oh degrees. Oh my God, totally. But yeah. <laughs> and so where are we at? That's it. You did it. Scottopedia, <laughs> you gave it to us. Thank yeah, you. Man, man. Thanks. Yeah. So the, the next thing we do is we start talking about the play that we're covering this week, week which we've already said the name 5,000 times. It's Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Uh, I'm excited to talk about this a little bit. Um, there's later I want to get into like all the productions that have happened. I may, I did some research on them and they're exciting. There's some really cool ones. So I'll go down that list later, but I don't know what it's about. I've read it. I've been in it. I don't know anything about it until <laughs> CJ tells me. So, Hey, yeah, CJ, yeah, break it down. All CJ's breakdown. Ever wonder where Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of Hamlet fame came from? Hmm? What they uh. were thinking during all the Danish madness? Hmm. What exactly happened after they were sent off on a ship to England with Hamlet in tow? Oh. You know, the things that are only hinted at or mentioned in Shakespeare's beloved play? Barely. Well, why don't you listen to this fucking episode then? Ooh, wow, that's the Dramatic. that's it. Yeah, <laughs> that's the plot of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. No, you're. I mean, yeah, it's. I love that you turned your your CJ's breakdown into a meta commentary because, <laughs> because that is play kind is of what this meta. is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, so that's a good place to start, right? So these we're starting. You're already starting with. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, these non-entities from Hamlet, right? These people who, the final, one of the, fi in the final scene, there's just a line where someone comes in and just says, uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. And they're like, great. And then they all move <laughs> on, it. right? right, right. Yeah. Like, oh, good to know, good to know. Um, and there's a lot of that in Shakespeare, obviously, like these like minor characters that whatever. But this one sort of, you know, Stopper took it and kind of turned it into a Godotian yep. thing. Um so meta theater, talk to me about meta theater. Anyone? Well, Anyone? yeah, it's it, it's a complicated thing, and he's layering in so much. I think that that's kind of the accomplishment of the play is that he's thought through and uses these characters in a very distinct way. So you're 
we as an audience know that we're watching something to do with Hamlet and then we're seeing scenes in between or parts of ends of scenes from the play. So it's, uh, and then there's sort of commentary about being in a play. There's sort of a recognition of that and using the idea of theater, the idea of a play to, and the characters in a play to talk about the absurdity of life, those existential motifs of life and the randomness of life. Like, um, and just even in those first couple of pages when he's talking about where they're doing the coin flips and the (laughs) heads, 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 heads. But even before, besides like, like pre, like getting into like life, really meta theater to me is, is a structural element, right? It's like, it's like, it's oh, like using sure. it's using theater as th- it's like using theater to make theater. Mm-hmm. Yes, does that yeah. make sense? I, in a way, yes. it's like it's like a, a structural element based. Like I guess the definition would be like based around commentary of dramatic theory or theater itself. Right. So like breaking the fourth wall is considered sort of meta, and I, I would say Hamlet itself already uses meta theater it has a play that literally tells the plot of the play that it's in right which is on purpose but it's also a meta theatrical thing right and then the thing that when i watched the movie something that i loved about it is they would show these scenes happening in hamlet and it would literally be them watching him do the scene where he does the to be or not to be monologue right but he's not vocalizing it you can just see his mouth moving and they're like what is he doing well he's talking to himself well that's what hamlet is doing in the actual play it's just you know it's out to the eye it's a soliloquy yeah i just um everyone is a different degree of player in this show and i love that and i also think you can turn up the dial or turn down the dial depending on how you want to represent each different section of the show, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, also the looks into Hamlet that you're seeing. Yeah, like absolutely. it could be overdone, like showy theater, or it could be like really honest and straightforward. And each thing is a correct decision, but it makes a different statement, in yeah. my opinion. Now, another side of this meta ness, meta theatricality that's happening, um, there's. There's something that I remember the director who, I, again, I don't think was a very, you know, he's not like a genius or anything, but I think he understood the play well enough, who was directing it when I was in it as Claudius. His whole take was like, whenever you're, when you're flipping the coin and it's heads every time, that is actually to signify to the audience we are not in a real world. Mm, we are mm-hmm. in a story, right? right? This is... I uh, actually have an idea about that beginning scene though because i kind of got lost in the language when they would go into monologues while they were flipping this coin to the point that my brain went are they actually getting heads every time or is Guildenstern playing a trip trick on Rosencrantz and then just the couple times that that the other calls it it just happens to be heads which i guess is a whole other meta thing that you could say there's a good amount if i remember correctly from this past read there's a good amount of he shows it to him yes and then there's a few times he purposely doesn't show it to him so i get i you could 
absolutely do that. Is he just trying to but win more coins? There's also a lot of him being like distraught by it, like mm-hmm. because heads. yeah, it's still heads. It's you know, this, it's this. Um, they've traversed into this world of Hamlet, so they're in a story. All of a sudden, they're all of a sudden they've walked on a stage. They've literally walked on a. St- they're like, wait, what? Why is it heads every time? You know, it's mm-hmm. it's. I like yeah. that. I think it's interesting. No, and it, and it creates conflict because. And there's sort of this uh, reality fighting art kind of thing that's going on, too, because Mm. life is random and chaos. And now all of a sudden, Guildenstern is realizing that there's something awry here. There's something else in control here. They're being set on a track. Right. Right. And it's it's stoppered. So they're stuck in a piece of literature that that defines that they will die. And they're starting to realize that something has gone wrong. Um, the other it's definitely re- a show for theater nerds. It's for theater oh, nerds yeah. and <laughs> and philosophy nerds too, because then sure. you That's get the into like he makes he makes that reference to the monkeys, the famous you know, if you put enough monkeys in a room for you know infinity, eventually they'll type out Hamlet. Um, sure. The problem with that thinking is that you know they're you, you're projecting an end to it, so. Um, which goes like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Right, you know, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Have you ever read that David Ives play, though, about the monkeys who are writing Hamlet and they finally oh, write yeah. the to be or not to be yeah, speech yeah. and then they're just like, okay, what do we do now? <laughs> it's, actually, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's a solid, yeah. But no, the philosophy thing is a great is a great thing to bring up here, Scott. I yeah. think that's so interesting because I think that's where it, it, it has been, um, I don't want to say claimed, but adopted in some ways, um, by the philosophy world as well much like things like you know even like i don't know kubrick films or Mm something you know things that uh you can take and you can go okay let's dissect this and look at it from a philosophical point of view um and that's the that's the beauty of art right is that intersection especially high art like this um but this is high art that lives in a crass vein kind of the whole time. And I yeah. love that. It's um, true. I was going to bring up just real it's quick. It's farting on itself the whole time. I it's love farting it. on itself. It really is. Yeah. It's an interesting Don't evolution it from uh, uh, Godot, which was clearly a huge influence, where Beckett had to write, wrote sure. that because he needed to, he couldn't figure out another way to express this philosophical idea. And so Stoppard, here's this young dude, you know, young, dumb and full of cum, but not dumb. And he just goes out and he, he takes that and then she's like, oh, what if I put this in here? Like the connection. Um, we should also say that there was a play from the eight, late 1890s that was also called Rosencrantz and Guildenstern that was sort of about their adventures. And oh, I, I couldn't, I could never, con- I can't find anything in, if if Stoppard had been aware of that or not, yeah, it wasn't a huge play, but it was a play that was distinctly about the two minor characters. That's interesting. In okay, yeah. So, uh, real quick, back to the this thing is farting on itself the whole time, right? Okay, I, yeah. which I love. There's a <laughs> quote. This is a Stoppard quote, but it's about the movie. Um, I'll get more into the movie later because I actually yeah. I think it's uh, once I talk through all the productions that happened of this then i want to talk about the movie after because it kind of it relates but he directs the movie yes he he adapts and directs the movie so uh when asked why his answer was it be it began to become clear that it might be a good idea if i did it myself 
At least the director wouldn't have to keep wondering what the author meant. It just seemed <laughs> that I'd be the only person who could treat the play with the necessary disrespect. <laughs> I feel also he was like, there's some other I stuff it. I want to put in here too. Oh, yeah, and he sure. did. And yeah. there's some fun stuff. Well, because that's actually one of the most fun things. And we've seen that with Pinter. We've seen it with a few other people who, once they get to make the film version, they're like, oh, new medium. I can do other stuff. And it's not necessarily better or worse. It's sort of just like sure. different. You know, the the birthday party play is different from the birthday party movie. I mean, not a ton, but it, it is, you know, or the homecoming. Um, yeah, and he got, you know, it was 20 years later by the time he made the movie. And so he gets to tweak well, with it. Yeah. He matures sure. as, a, as a, an artist and kind yeah. of goes, ah, oh, you know, I don't always dig that when author, when authors or playwrights or artists yeah. revisit their shit and start fucking with it. Um, George Lucas, um, but uh, yeah, yeah, that was but crazy. but but it's it's cool and it's his, so he gets to do what he wants. That's true. Um, okay, can I talk through the productions of this real quick? Yeah, totally. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. cool, cool, cool. Um, and also we'll talk awards a little bit too while we're at it because you know I love that shit. Um, yeah. all right. So, like you said, Scott. Uh. Wait, okay, one sec. My notes went away. I'm pulling oh, them back. Uh, like you said, Scott, so the play had its first incarnation at the 1964 Edinburgh Fringe. The right. Fringe! Oh, no, 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 wait. I lied. That's not true. Its first incarnation right. was you, you... him just writing the one act, and he put it up. Yeah, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern meet King Lear. Meet King Lear. But it was still called that when he expanded it, uh, still under, I think it was still called Meet King Lear, or had he changed the name by then? Um, I don't know. I yes, can't remember. no, no. For the Fringe Festival, it was it still the same. It. No, oh, it, it was, was the, still same. the same. It was still King yeah. Lear. So uh, it goes to Edinburgh Fringe, 1966, and it was put up by the Oxford Theatre Group. Uh, and then the next year, it debuts in London with a production at the Old Vic, which it gets a bunch more Old Vic productions later, which is fun. Yeah. Uh, but this is Derek Goldby, whose name we'll hear a bunch later because he directs a bunch of these productions. Yeah. Um, but it was John Stride as Rosencrantz, Edward Petherbridge as uh, Guildenstern, Petherbridge, and Graham Crowden as the player. Um, and then the Royal National Theatre production of RNG had a year-long Broadway run. Wow. From 67 to 68, October to October, 420 performances, blaze it. Yeah. 420. Stoppard's first Broadway show. Kind of rad. Um, It was directed by Derek Goldby again, uh, and it was initially at the Alvin Theater, and then it transferred to the Eugene O'Neill, which is sick. That would have been cool to see at the Eugene O'Neill. Oh, my God. Um, And that was Paul Hecht, Uh uh, Brian Murray, and John Wood. Um, and it was nominated for eight Tony Awards. Damn. So I, it won four of them. What? I just wanted to say that that w- what we might not fully get was how much that blew up Broadway and yeah. the theater world in America. I had a professor who got to see that original production <gasps> when cool. he was in college. And he was like, he's like, you'd seen Godot, you'd seen weird things at that point, but he's like, it was so such a an artistic achievement yeah. uh, on so many levels that you you were and on top of just being an amazing production and funny and weird and that you talked about for days and days and days it was just it kind of lit lit the world on fire yeah. yeah and so and and like we say it, it 
was uh, not just theater people were loving right, it because exactly. now cool. I think it is more of a you know theater pre- people kind of thing. At the time, sure. it was blowing up you know all the all the sects, yeah, <laughs> the sects. all the su- the sub cultures and such. Um, I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, so the play was nominated for eight Tony Awards. It wins four of them: best play, mm. best scenic design, mm. all right, costume design. Okay. And producer, I don't think they still give that award. <laughs> um, and then the director and the three leading actors were all nominated, but did wow. not get Tonys. Mm. Um, can you tell me some other things that were happening that year? Here we go. What won Best Musical that year? What year? This is um, 68. The 22nd. 68. I'm not going to look. I'm not going to look. I don't know. Uh, You're not going to know it. It was hallelujah, baby, exclamation point. I never would have known that. But here are some things that Rosencrantz and Guildenstern were up against. Plaza Suite, Neil Simon. Wow. I like that one. The Price, Arthur Miller. Wow. Uh, A Day in the Death of Joe Egg, Peter Nichols. Yeah. Um, And that that was Albert Finney, Day in the Death of Joe Egg, um, who also gets a nom but doesn't win. Um. There was some other, like, I'm trying to find, I, I this is a pretty cool year. The Birthday Party mm. uh, wins uh, Best Performance by a Featured Actor for the, uh, James Patterson wins for Stanley uh, against Paul Hecht um, and John Wood and Brian Murray. So basically, The Birthday Party, a pinter play, uh, the Stanley. I mean, that role is yeah, yeah, is amazing Killer. if you kill it. Um, but he beats all three of the leads. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's pretty hardcore. Uh, yeah. There's some good things this year. It says, um, and we should say some... he's 29. He's not yeah, even yeah, 30 oh, yeah, years he's old. Yeah, young. He's, you know, young. he's he's you know, it's pretty insane. Yeah, and then you have like some special awards that year that went out to Audrey Hepburn and Carol Channing and Pearl Bailey and fun people like mm. that. Marjorie Dietrich, uh, Dietrich Marlena Dietrich. I said Martra Dietrich. I don't Martra know. Martra Dietrich. That's how sleepy I am. Um, oh, right. and um, one of the presenters, Anne Bancroft. Can you tell me who hosted it? No. It's someone who passed away recently. Angela oh. Lansbury? Correct. Yeah. Oh. And Peter Ustinov. Yeah. Oh, Peter yeah. Ustinov. Oh, my God. At the Schubert Theater in New York. Okay. Anyway, back to my uh, uh, subsequent productions. So... It then uh, in '87 it gets a New York revival at Roundabout Theater at the Union Square Theater, directed by Robert Carson, featuring John Wood again and Stephen Lang from Avatar. Okay, <laughs> not a good actor in my opinion. Uh, I'm sure he was great in this. Um, as Rosencrantz and uh, uh, John Rubinstein as Guildenstern. Oh, nice. And then uh, the National Theater in 1995 does a production with Adrian Scarborough as Rosencrantz, Simon Russell Beale of Lehman Trilogy oh, fame. Oh, yes. And Tony winning fan, Yeah, as Guildenstern. And then that toured England. What year was time. that? Wow. 95. Wow, okay. Yeah. Uh, and then several times since 95, the American Shakespeare Center has mounted repertoires that included both Hamlet and RNG, and the mm-hmm. same actors were performing their roles in each. Yeah, that's oh, hot. Oh, cool. So that's they've been hot. doing that, like, they've done it, like, three or four times. Um, but um, in their 2001 and 2009 seasons, the two plays were directed, designed, and rehearsed all together. 
to make it like an actual shared design. So it looked like the same play from both angles. And I think it was on the same set and it just changed different it changed for rng does that make sense mm -hmm. cool. yeah, yeah yeah um so then in 2011 the play was revived in a production uh, uh before transferring to the uh, it, okay the, none of this matters i'm, I'm skipping this it was, it was a west end, 2011 in the west end but it had samuel barnett and jamie parker and tim curry was As supposed to play the player Oh no! But he, he dropped out because he got sick during previews. Oh. Um, replaced by Chris Andrew Mellon, but uh, kind of sad. But then it it returned again to the old Vic a few years ago in a production celebrating its fiftieth anniversary. Uh huh. Uh, starring Daniel Radcliffe yeah, as Rosencrantz and Joshua <laughs> McGuire as Guildenstern. He's on shows like he's on Love Sick. Yeah, you watch yeah. that on Netflix, uh, or, which uh, I think is in on the BBC. It's actually called Scrotal Recall. Scrotal recall. And then the last thing I wanted to throw in here. Oh, it, it did also win um, Best Play for New York Drama Critics and Outstanding Production from the uh, Outer Critics and things like this. Uh, but there was a play this year in 2022 that was released. It's called Rosencrantz and Guildenstern Are Rosencrantz and Guildenstern Are Dead. All right. <laughs> now, the waiting for waiting for Godot. Exactly. So, a few years ago, Sacred Fools did a show called Waiting for Waiting for Godot. It's basically the exact same thing, but it's in an irreverent and absurd one act where RNG realize their characters in a meta play written by Tom Stoppard, and subsequently, Tom Stoppard realizes he's a character in a meta meta play written by Atai Shushatowit. So, <laughs> wow. All right. That's where we're at with that. So I couldn't find any information on it, like at all. That was it. That was like, yeah. this is the description. I couldn't find where it had been produced. I don't know if somebody just added that, you know, it yeah. just, I don't know. So anyway, um, kind of interesting. Three radio adaptations have been done for the BBC with some pretty solid names. And then the movie. So the movie, I want to talk about this a little bit. Yeah, yeah. The, mm -hmm. the film rights to the play were originally bought by MGM in 1968, the year it's on Broadway. Okay. okay. They bought the script from Tom Stoppard for $350,000 plus 10% of the profits. Okay. John Borman was announced as director. Kind of yeah. interesting. But it was never made. Yeah. And I couldn't find a lot of information on why. I think they just kept kind of booting it and booting it and then never made it. Borman was, uh, he's one of those maverick filmmaker dudes. Sure, sure. And like he was one of those guys that had, you know, 500 projects always going or right, trying right. to go. And, or was uh, just putting his name on anything. And right, just right. I mean, he yeah. went on to do uh, Deliverance. He did uh, the Excalibur movie, which is crazy yeah. from the early 80s. And he did a great, that. really cool flick called The Emerald Forest, which is based on a true story oh, yeah, 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 about yeah. A, a, a young boy who's kidnapped and disappears into the Amazon and his father spends like a decade trying to find him and he's raised by um, the people of the Amazon and it's fucking crazy but anyway uh, Exc Excalibur starring Sean Connery star of Last Crusade no it's just, no, no. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Sean Connery is not but Helen Mirren is in it Patrick oh, cool. Stewart's in it Cool. Uh, cool. Liam Neeson's cool. in it a bunch of Sean Connery's in a movie called Excalibur isn't he am I crazy no yeah <laughs> Am I? I'm gonna look it up. He's in Zardoz. Right. 
That's what it is. The Zardoz. <laughs> um, okay, so but then they make a movie in 1990, uh, yeah. Year of My Birth, um, and they it's um, mm. yeah, and it's uh, it's wow. Gary Oldman, Tim Roth, who is back in yeah. the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dick Dreyfus. Richard, Richard Dreyfus. I call him Dick. I call Dick him Dick. Uh, Joanna Roth, Ian Richardson. I mean, it's All Star Cat. Joanna Miles. It's, I mean, it's oh Donald. I feel, Donald Sumter. I yeah. feel like the subtitle to this movie should be Richard Dreyfus's eyeliner. <laughs> he's, he's a player. He's I keep looking at his eyeliner. No, he's kind of hot in this. Let's be clear. And no, he's not. He's no, not no, in no, anything no, else. No. There are people who think he's hot in like Goodbye Girl and like older like like Jaws even and I well not necessarily Jaws but there are people who think he was like I know that he is stunning. a good actor so. but every time I see Richard Dreyfuss I think of Mr. Holland's Opus where he has a really inappropriate relationship with a high schooler well yeah but that's not <laughs> Richard Dreyfuss that's the character. I know, but I don't punish him. I know it's a true story. Our basketball coach is still sleeping with girls in my high school. I'm also like 99% sure there's a Richard Dreyfuss movie where he and his family, uh, he he wants to be like a famous documentarian, so he makes up a fake African or South American tribe. Oh, yeah. And has his family (laughs) poses them, and he makes a documentary about them, and it becomes like famous. Yeah. Oh, but no. they're just like a white family dressed yeah. as... Oh, no. Yeah. I know he's a good actor. That was the 90s. I, he, anyway, he's great in this. And I, I like his eyeliner in this. <laughs> no, and he is. He's, he is great in this. I think he, I think he's... And he's kind of hot. Um, what are y'all's take on the movie? I think it's... It, Tom Stoppard directs. He adapts. It's, I really it's, wish... I had read an interview that at one point, Gilliam... He and Gilliam were in talks that Gilliam was hmm. going to direct it. And my, cool. my my big criticism of it is that it, it was, and I, I listen, you know, um, those actors you know, make it worth watching. You know, yeah, yes. Gary Oldman and 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 Tim Roth playing together is pretty fucking. Gary insane. Oldman's the one that I'm just like, he's so hot. He reminds me of the guy <laughs> I was in love with in high school. He is, and Oldman's always a babe though. He's very emo. Oldman is even a babe in True Romance when he's doing like the worst oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) which he's fantastic in by the way but yeah oh he's just having he's just jerking off he's having so much fun but i think it's a missed opportunity because it's it's cinematically very flat he's not a great filmmaker mr stoppard like and so there's there's i think a missed opportunity to (laughs) to um to make it even to add a layer of meta to it like there yeah. could have been oh um this is a film about the play like there was just it could have been a little bit more clever it's sort of a very flat very solid presentation of this thing where he yeah. gets to tweak the script a bit and and the performances make it uh make it a fun watch but well, go ahead and i'm i'm going to be honest i i would love to see a live version of this and i didn't get time i was going to look on broadway hd and see if there was a cool live performance of this yeah um, but between reading it and then also watching this movie, it took me three sittings to finish the movie because mm. I either like lost, I, I like the second time I sat down to like try to finish it, I fell asleep and the script took me a couple sittings to get through. And I yeah. know that it's good. 
And I know that Stoppard is talented, but I want to see a production of this because reading it was hard for me and watching this film. Yeah. Flat. That's, that's, I couldn't think of the right word. It is. It's flat. It just, yeah. which is why I think it's so accessible to find. It's not on actually any streaming services, but it's like, it's like freebie, but it's on, it's on like Amazon YouTube. Prime. It's yeah. on Prime. Well, I watched, oh, I put it on yeah. Prime, but it had ads. Oh, oh really? mine didn't. Mine did, and I have Prime. So I was like, what's going on? It was That's weird. weird. Um, so, but I mean, I could be wrong, but I only watched the first 10 minutes and then an ad started, and I was like, oh, never mind. I've seen this. Yeah, before. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it has a kind of a lack of any direction, really, right? It, besides just some choices made in terms of um, production design, right? But it's, as a, as a stage show, it's very vast. Yeah. While also feeling like a chamber piece somehow. Sure. Like, yeah, it, I it actually is. that. But it is. the movie doesn't feel that way. It just kind of feels like uh, the, a movie and we're just in the places. And what I love about the show, seeing it and being in it, there's the the vastness while also feeling... And what I mean by chamber piece, to be clear, I mean, I, I think this is a common term, right? But it's like, it feels like we're in the same little box the whole time. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. also, and it doesn't really matter how you design it. It's just like it's meant to be big, right? You, whether you're on in these large halls or a ship, you're just in this like vastness. But there's only ever like two people on stage, right? Sure. And I think that that's using language and nothing yeah. else. Yeah. yeah, and that's kind of the point is that you know they come stumbling into these big big places, and then there's there's this intimacy that brings you in, and I think. Right. Even the production that I saw of it, which was okay, it was mostly because one of the actors was just off. Sure. So it's it is a play, also I think very much about rhythm. It is very much about performance. We were talking yes. about this just getting set up. It's the da 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 like it's these pauses in this so it's always you always feel like you're 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 kind of off balance and that keeps you engaged in it and i think that's the trick of pulling it off yeah i think it's it has the gadoshian nature right it has the same Mm -hmm. tone i do think i have seen especially in scene classes where um two people have done it as you know that like kind of what you're saying like as a um uh, cadence, mm-hmm. you know, and not pull it off. Yeah. And I've seen people do it really minute and dry and slow and cut and it like bring down the house. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think what you mean is you have to, the director and the cast has to build a rhythm to this play. Absolutely. There you go. And it's, well it doesn't said. really yeah. exist in the script, in my opinion. And I think that's a, that's a beauty of it. That's not a, slight he builds it with beats he and there's pauses he sure, builds sure, those. Sure, sure. those exist obviously but like even when we were reading when i read that scene i think of it being kind of a little bit just like embarrassed to like even like talk to each other so there's this like vastness that or there's this like gap there yeah and yeah. but it also could be read as just like what, how much you get? How much you get? I don't know how did you, you get i don't know I'm yeah yeah about. you know and it, it's both they both totally work but it takes it takes building that it takes the room it takes the collaboration to build it that this piece is it's a beast it's it's large and it's chilling and hollow mm-hmm. and at times but like also very fun and it farts mm-hmm. on itself and funny and funny yeah yeah 
I'm interested to see, I would be interested to see a production that riffs on a really different Hamlet take. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, like somebody who does like a very, you know, like I think about the Richard Burton Hamlet, which mm. was famously done with like black turtlenecks and black Dick slacks. Dick Burton. Yeah. And, Dick Burton. And Dick Burton. And just chairs, like very, like nothing. Like cubes. insane. And cubes. And just insanely <laughs> minimal or something that... Uh, you know, you know, punk rock Hamlet where, you know, all, all those different variations of Hamlet that have been done to take one of those and and then riff RNG on top of it or do both of them together. You know, those dual productions. I've got fantasies about using multiple spaces. Bailey and I've gotten drunk and talked about, you know, how can we use all three? I've spaces? never been drunk. That's <laughs> you, don't, you can lie to yourself, but you can't lie to Jesus. Um, I don't know but, Jesus. I don't doubt. Um, I also just wanted to add that they cast a beautiful chicken in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I love as, fun as birds, a, and that was a beautiful chicken. As a future farmer of America who's not a farmer, <laughs> what was your take on the bird? It was very pretty. It was love a pretty that. chicken, which is a quote from Pretty Chicken. Right? <laughs> the what Macbeth quote. McDuff says it. All my pretty chickens the and their damn. When Best we're on the go podcast, outside and run around and spit. When we're on the podcast, we are in a theater. Okay? How about that? <laughs> oh, my so God. You don't say CJ. it. You say Mackers. Disrespect. Well, all the listeners are cursed. We're cursed. It's over for everyone. Bailey, it's the ring been cursed video for years. For podcasts. Yeah, I have been cursed. Yeah, you now must share this with all of your friends and make them listen to it or you will die. Also, go subscribe and listen to Bailey Was Cursed by a Witch. It's a podcast I actually made like eight years ago. Okay. Oh, God. Um, it's Halloween. Good. It's kind of fun. Um, I'm listening to my Halloween stories my for Halloween the stories. right now. Good, good. Y'all, is there any final word you have on RNG? We have two whole other episodes where we can talk Stopper, where we can talk the things that he does. I think we got pretty... Uh, pretty solidly deep. We did. Yeah. Um, uh, we got Dick Burton deep. <laughs> <laughs> we got Dick Burton deep. Um, there's just a quote. It's, you just it's... got Dick Burton. Okay. 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 <laughs> it's um, you know so much of the of the show is about the sort of the conflict of between art and reality, being aware of theater, and there's sort of um, there's that moment where Guildenstern. Uh, sort of sums it all up with uh, no one gets up after death there is no applause there is only silence and some secondhand clothes and that's death and i think that's just a perfect encapsulation <laughs> of of Agreed. the vibe of the whole fucking play it's Agreed. it's really great and it's one of those ones that there's a timelessness to it um and i think i don't know i think we're at a point where hamlet can be considered timeless because the themes are so universal, yeah. and you keep going back to it. Because that's people the thing. don't stop doing it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, whatever. But <laughs> it can always be reinvented. But this is like, there's timelessness to it. I, I'm always impressed by something, and we've talked about it so many times, that there's no pop culture references. There's nothing that holds it into any time or place. And so it'll be interesting. Except at the top, he says it's two Elizabethans. 
sitting with each other flipping coins. Yeah, but I don't think that that matters in any the same way that it doesn't matter in Godot that they're wearing bowler hats. It's still there's nothing yeah. within the text that holds. Right. Well, and like the, the bowler place. hat, is, you know, specifically was like, well, that's our idea of a tramp, right? So mm -hmm. that's sure. you know, especially with the chaplain character, anything you know, like whatever. It was, so that was the intention there. Whereas um, Elizabethan, it you know, it's because it's shakespeare right whereas if you chose as a director to say rng are two like gamer dudes who have no idea why the fuck they're here and they don't have their switches so they're just like making games up right that's an interesting take like we're gonna play tennis with words because we don't have our nintendo switch like i don't know i'm just making shit up but yeah, no, <laughs> the point cute. is like it I could like be it. anything it could you know and then they get whooshed into this play and they're just like sure <laughs> are we in an rpg this is cool that's fun I just came up with that just now. That's Nobody good. steal it. Nobody Everybody steal it. Everybody steal it. No. Tom Stoppard makes me wish I was watching Jeffrey Rush. Oh, yeah. I mean, Jeffrey, <laughs> I just love... uh, Jeffrey Rush has <laughs> okay. had to have done okay. Stoppard okay. at some point. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he has. They kind of I mean, look alike. They kind of look done, alike. He's in Shakespeare in Love. So I yeah, yeah. I mean, That's yeah. Fine. Have you he's ever my seen favorite Quills? Character in that. I've seen Quills, yeah. DJ, I haven't. Weren't, didn't we almost do it at Fools years ago? I think it was proposed. There's a yeah. movie with Jeffrey Rush and I believe Kate Winslet. All right. Uh -huh. And it's sexy. And Joaquin Phoenix, I think, is in it. Jacqueline? What, do I, Joaquin? Joker? The Joker Joaquin, himself? The Joker himself. Joker 2 himself? Uh, okay. Okay. Is it? Is that it? Are we done? Yeah, did we, we did do the it. thing? We okay. Did yeah. Yeah. I have to go check on a cat. No, you're okay. not allowed to. The the last thing we have to do is 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 LA spotlight some LA theater. Like, what are, what do you guys got going on? LA spotlight. Uh, we're just wrapping up this workshop. So thanks for everybody who came out. Thank you, uh, Bailey and CJ, for your amazing work, and Michael Shaw Fisher for writing it and all that. Um, that was our big thing this week. Uh, that's, that's all I've got. There's some shows and stuff that we need to go see and, um, we'll talk about that off, off, off mic, off, off mic, Mike. Who's Mike? I don't know. Stay okay. tuned in in the next couple weeks or start, I'll start pushing a dance show that's actually coming to fools in December. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Is it coming to fools or the Broadwater? Pardon me. It's well. It's being it's being sponsored and helped by Fool. Oh, that's right. You're right. You're right. Yes, absolutely. At the Broadwater, the Ladder yeah. Up wow. program. Yeah, that'll yeah, be cool. Yeah. I have nothing right now. Next season, I'm currently directing Henry Six. Part <laughs> Is one it part one? And <gasps> with two. Joan of Arc. Yes, I'm doing oh, one. It's one of my favorite Shakespearean characters. CJ, we're doing one and two. I only care about one. No, <laughs> it's War of the Roses is what we're calling it. It's the entire mm -hmm. story of the War of the Roses. And we are doing two things that I think are interesting that I'll actually bring up right now. Why not? Uh, one is that we are doing it in two nights, like Angels in America. You have to Fun. come one night for the part one, one night for part two. Uh, and the second thing that we're doing that's exciting is we are going sort of from the non-English perspective, because the play condemns Joan, and we want to kind yeah. of go from the other perspective. So we're looking oh, no. at how condemn, we're going to the English condemn, perspective. You should of absolutely Joan. condemn Joan. And of then Arc. you do Jean Ennuis, the Lark. 
Or Shaw's Joan of Arc. Listen, Ooh. we should not yeah. put that crazy you, person. You should do three Brecht nights. Did of it. three Joan of Arcs. Breck did three. I only care about Joan of Arc stories. I only care about the Lark. I need to read the Joan of Arcs by Brecht. I need well, to. our idea is, is more of a mental health thing than like a. Oh, cool. It, you'll see. We come see it. It's next season. Uh, it'll be in March. Okay. Uh, let's get out of here. I don't yeah. have anything else. Uh, do I say stuff? Is that me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening. Uh, for the <laughs> theater, theater. Uh, th- this was this. Thanks for joining us for for part one of Tom Stoppard. We got two more episodes of Rosenpod and Gildencast are dead, and we will be less dead on the next two. I promise you. Yeah. Next yeah, time we're covering fun. it has been fun. Next time we're covering <laughs> Arcadia, and then we'll be doing Rock and Roll. Go find that. It's a this is a good play. I'm excited to talk about it. Have you guys read it yet? Okay. Not yet, not yet. It's good. Um, And then he, I want to find some of his newer stuff because it's available apparently. It is available. It's all on Scribd. A lot of it is. Scribd. 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 Say it right. No, no. In Shakespeare, it's S-C-R-I-B-D. So it would be Scribd. Uh, I'm joking. Scribd. Okay. (laughs) Questions? Comments? Compliments? You can email us. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Scott? Uh, thank you, CJ. A big shout out to Ryan Thomas Johnson, who writes our theme song. Our theme song is better than your theme song. Yeah. I had heard that. <laughs> and he also writes all of our stingers. He's an amazing human being. Uh, and finally, to the great Pulitzer Prize winning playwright, Annie Baker, who writes every single one of our episodes. Um... Hey, Scott. Yeah. Oh, and she doesn't even know it. And one day, Andy Baker, <laughs> we're going to buy you a beer. That was a lazy bit, but we, uh, did it. we, got, we got it. Through. We got through <laughs> it. Ah, good stuff. Okay, y'all. We'll see you later. Subscribe, rate, review. It really does help. Uh, goodbye. Bye. Bye. It was my time to go, my time to be the greatest thespian in Alexandria. <laughs> what? That's in Egypt. (laughs) (laughs) That's from Midsummer Nightmare. We did it last night. Yeah. Also, Uh. Dick Dreyfus Deep would have been funnier than Dick Burton Deep. (laughs) Dick Dreyfus Deep. (laughs) Maybe Dick Dreyfus Deeper. You're right. Wow, CJ. Wow. (laughs) Later, everybody. Do you ever think of yourself as actually dead, lying in a box with a lid on it? Nope. Nor do I, really. Silly to be depressed by it. I mean, one thinks of it like being alive in a box. One keeps forgetting to take into account the fact that one is dead. Which should make all the difference. Shouldn't it? I mean, you'd never know you're in a box, would you? It would be just like you were asleep in a box. Not that I'd like to sleep in a box, mind you. Not without any air. You'd wake up there for a start, and then where would you be? In a box. That's the bit I don't like, frankly. That's why I don't think of it.